the best way to get really good at seduction is to do two things. Master approach skills, particularly in a day, because that's most relevant to most people. And secondly, welcome to the Natural Lifestyles podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is the Natural Lifestyles podcast. James, I'm a fairly good looking guy and a thoughtful person. He's a catch. When I'm alone, like walking down the street or entering the bus, etc., a good number of women check me out. However, when I'm with my friends, three or four other dudes, I feel like I'm losing my power. I feel like I'm just another dude in a big mass. Girls don't look at me, or if a girl comes to our company, she may or may not want to learn about me. Is this normal? Could someone project in a group as well as when he is alone? With regards to the second part of your question talking about, can I project something, I guess you were saying, you were referring to, can I project attractiveness within a group of men? The answer is absolutely yes. And the best way to do that is to make sure that the group is working together, right? So I, I roll with a group of very interesting, powerful seducers. You, you know them. And we're all different looking. None of us are like absolutely technically beautiful, but we all have a cool style. We all have confidence. We all have our own thing going on. And when we move around together, whether that's out at night in the day, hanging out with our girlfriend, someone bringing a new girl into the group and so on. We don't have competition. We don't have one-upmanship. And most groups of men are not very good at assisting each other. The best way to get really good at seduction is to do two things. Master approach skills, particularly in a day, because that's most relevant to most people. And secondly, to be able to pull together a group of men and women, if you can, that's even better, a social circle that works together because you blend cold approach with good social circle. And good social circle doesn't just mean cool people. It means people who are actually working together for each other's vested interests. Then you have the ultimate combination. And so that's the way that the TNL crew and our extended groups of male friends and, and wing girls and people we know work is that if Liam or whoever brings a girl home or to a social event, all of us immediately start shifting the way that our roles work. Immediately, he's the alpha and all of us move to make him look good, to support him. There's no jostling. There's no one-upmanship. There's no trying to prove that we're cool. If uh, you know we meet his new girl and we are polite and friendly and charming and silly, but we are certainly not flirtatious. We're certainly not trying to make him uh, like make ourselves look cool or in any way trying to be the alpha dog. We immediately shift our roles to adjust, to assist the person that needs the assistance, right? And this is very, very rare in groups of males. But when you work together in this way, it means that everybody wins, right? It means that, okay, over time, everyone is going to get laid more often. Everyone else, everyone gets to play the role of leader and support structure. Even though I'm the boss of this company, consistently, I change my role and shift it to the needs of the situation, which is that one of my brothers needs me to be a dork or needs me to deal with some logistics or go and grab the drinks or make him look good in some way or another. And this is vitally important if you're starting to look at what's the social group that you roll within and how are they assisting or not assisting you, then start to take stock of that and recognize, am I with a group of males that make each other look good, that, that support each other, or am I hanging around a bunch of douchebags who are invested in one-upmanship, in being the toughest and making their friends look like fools, right? So if you're in a group of dudes like that, then yeah, it's not very easy to, to seduce girls whilst you're in that group. And it's better than to just lone wolf it and try and find some guys that, that are, are actually cool. However, 
confident men can bundle together and not have to worry about whether they are the coolest man in the group or the most attractive man in the group. Because girls don't see that. They, they, girls have a kind of a cheerleader effect thing the same way that we do. If we see a bunch of fairly attractive girls, we suddenly perceive them to be much more attractive than they are. If you are hanging around a bunch of guys that dress well, that are fun, that are confident, that are ha having a good time together, then girls want to be a part of that because girls want to come into social worlds where there are interesting things going on. If a girl dates one of us, she doesn't just get to hang out with the person that she's chosen. She gets to hang out with an interesting social circle, do interesting things, and be around a variety of different characters who have different things to offer. You know, within our group, we've got the guys who are really funny, the guys who are serious, the guys who are spiritual, the guys who are artistic, the guys who are organized. And within that, being a girl within that social circle is awesome. You get to experience all sorts of things within one kind of group. So ultimately, the answer to your question is to develop enough self-confidence so that you're not intimidated by being around your friends, right? That's ultimately an important thing, as well as having a clear bro code and understanding between your friends that you don't step on each other's toes, that you don't try and flirt with each other's chicks, that you're not trying to ever make one of your friends look shit in front of his girl. And if that is the case, then you need to sit down with these guys and actually explain the situation to them, because most men don't know inherently how to wing. Uh, and winging is not just talking to the fat chick when you're pricking up girls in the bar. It's all these things that follow. And if the dude is doesn't hear this advice and is not down with it, then move on and find some new friends or just hang out with those guys when there's nothing to do with girls. So that's the answer to my question. Stop fucking worrying about whether you're looking good or not. Dress well, hold yourself well, groom yourself well, and then forget about it and go out and pick the girls rather than waiting for them to pick you because that is a loser's game. Up until now, I've been talking about gatekeepers in terms of there's an established social circle and you're trying to insert yourself into it in some way. Now, this is a skill that is useful and necessary for some and some guys and for many guys at some point in their life. But when I look at it, most of my main social crews were not entered by me. They were built by me. And of course, other people entered them, right? So that's that's a, a thing as well but if you want to have the most control especially longer term if you want to be able to kind of steer the direction of what you want a social group to do in terms of lifestyle design it's usually better to be part of the building of of it from the early stages whether or not you're the founder or you're the first partner or you're one of the early guys that comes into a, a, a unfolding social scene of course, this means we have to build things from scratch and we have to put in a lot of effort, but this is the one that is probably going to yield more over the longer term. And if you've put together a good crew, then this is more likely to be your, your tribe that really has your back, that has multiple year legacy and, and loyalty. And when I look back over all of the kind of groups that I started, when I look back at house parties in, in high school, at playing in a band, at early forms of, of TNL and the, and the PUAs that I was hanging out with and those, those social crews that I was rolling with. We didn't all come fully formed as expert seducers, expert lady, uh, ladies and social men and seductive economics fucking mad. No, we all were dorks or shy or a bit socially incompetent or totally broke or, you know, many other things that were not like the best that we could be. And that's okay. 
right? Because if the if the group is led by overall by a desire for growth and change, and you're able to work cohesively together to be encouraging and commiserating, to be able to tell the girl guy you're so money, and to be able to get him out of out of funks, right? Because like I remember those days, early days of going out with my initial wingman was that. It was really hit and miss in terms of our state and our mood. Like you'd go out and we'd be sort of talking each other up and then and then I just knew that I wasn't gonna be the one to do it. But today this guy's got the balls and he's like, fuck it. And he's going over and talking to girls and then I go in and I wing him and right and another another night I I I'm like, okay, I'm in it, I'm doing this thing tonight, and I go and I become the spearhead and he becomes the shaft. And we lift each other's skill levels by encouraging each other and training each other, pushing each other backing each other up when we're feeling down and so on so that as the tide of our of our experience and skills rises so does everyone within the group so most of my when i look back on all of my major groups we have transformed a bunch of real like american movie nerds like goonies level nerds does it that's a really old movie no one knows goonies anymore right Goonies, come on! Everyone knows Goonies. I've given up. I've given up on on the pre, on all generations after the nineties. I just have sex with them. I don't understand anything else about. Them. So, yeah, this is this is what you want to be building with your with your lifestyle design crews versus the top down dominance hierarchy where the power player keeps everyone stunted because it it's within their interest to keep you stunted because then they get the thing they want and they don't have to be challenged or have their boundaries pushed and everyone slots in below them. We talked about that before. So, yeah, like understanding how to maneuver between gatekeepers is, is, is important. But what I do mostly these days is like I build, I built social worlds to the point where they have a reputation of themselves. So that if I want to gatekeep into a new world now, I don't usually need to do the find the first gatekeeper, find the three degrees of separation, work my way up stage by stage because I have some clout in my world, I can theoretically just go ahead and, and contact someone on the other side, right? So yeah, in anyone in my industry, I can contact. I can call up Tyler from RSD and he'll pick up the phone. And what we talk about, I don't know. But if I want to, we can, we can have that conversation or anyone else in my, on the, in my industry. Anyone else that runs parties and travels with girls and that kind of thing, I, can, I could step into that kind of zone. Anyone else that is a a known quantity is a spiritual movement, sexuality, whatever kind of teacher or, or scene leader, I could, I could approach directly those people and probably get good results too, right? So if, if we have clout and, and reputation of some sort, or we have other people being emissaries for us, talking about us, which Liam is excellent at that. He's often, whenever he meets a guy, a wealthy guy, he finds out about what their dating situation is. If he finds out that sexually they they want to improve or they're trying to get better with and they're interested in kink or something then he immediately brings me up and, and creates this story about this mysterious guy who can teach you how to fuck for hours and also do, lives on a farm in portugal and does all these other crazy things and, and sets the scene for why this person might be curious to meet me so over the longer term you want to be looking at that in terms of yeah, just in trying to insert yourself into a very established crew, okay, it can be done sometimes. You, you can't be fixated on any given group. However, the way that is longer term, you'll be able to create more social retirement or, or seductive economics currencies to trade on is by building your own or being part of the startup version of this. 
and knowing that, okay, you're not fully formed and you, you guys still need to figure your shit out, but that's, that's part of the process and that's kind of fun when you look back on it, which means that eventually you can build a social circle, then offshoots of that social circle can start breeding in, in another place, right, which means that, and, and ideally multiple other social scenes start kind of spawning out of your initial social scene, which means you then have basically rights to connect to all of those other social scenes as well, right? Like, I know that if I wanted to write a track and get some music done, then I would contact Harry, who was part, who joined my scene in Budapest, who now I can see has built a cool scene of producers and musicians and so on. And I'd say, hey, dude, I need to, I need a producer to help put together this track called Back on the Boat. And I'd be able to get that movie, right? Or, or many, many other de multiple degree of separations from me, social groups, which partially I started or hooked people up or encouraged at some point, and then they went off and built their own sub tribes or the, the tribes that evolved out of that. And then I still have contact with those and I can move in and out of their social scenes and they can move in and out of mine. Okay, so Malcolm's asking, when you start a, a crew from scratch, I'll just paraphrase, usually it's happening in one city or location. How can I make sure that the scene or crew I build is international or mo more mobile than initially perceived? Well, you can't necessarily unless that's been kind of built in from the beginning. The way I looked at it was, I don't, I don't think I planned it so meticulously, but I was building things with people who had a certain lifestyle uh, goals and possibilities, right? So if, if I'm trying to do it with a, with a couple of guys who've got two small children and, you know, have to look after them every day, then maybe that's not realistic for them to be internationally traveling. It's more that I, I was just hooking up with different guys and girls who were adventurers to whom if one or other of us said, hey, do you want to like fucking go on a mission to Southeast Asia and do some X that someone would be like, yes, I'd love to, whether or not I can right now with finances and so on, maybe I can, maybe I can't. But those type of people want to go on ventures. It also re relates back to your partner. So we talked about this last week that usually within any social core, there is a main duo. And that was how I ran things a lot, where it was like me and my main duo, whether it was me and Sasha, me and Liam, or me and Grant, or who, whichever partner it was, we knew we were going to do the thing, right? So we committed to each other early on that we're going to, well, wh whatever the project was with me and Sasha, the commitment was, let's travel together and run each other's workshops, make each other money and have cool adventures. Cool. All right. Well, let's go here. Let's go here. Let's go here. Let's do that. For others, it was like we're committing to building a musical project together and we want to create a cd a cd back when that was a thing and we want to travel so we're going to tour so you me and this core bunch will figure it out and then if the bass players can't come we'll replace the bass player or the horn players will get stand-ins if we need it so if you can have a main collaborator to whom the the mission is paramount then other people can plug in and out of that as needed and so maybe you do have your core kind of Peru back in your main city and if you want to branch out nationally internationally then you, you and your partner or you and whoever is willing to to start doing this goes out or if needed you go out and do it alone right I've done that multiple times TNL existed in Australia for a number of years and the first year it went international was me just going by myself around Europe and going and doing a bunch of speeches for little lair groups and selling guys on like $500 weekends when I was there and meeting up with guys and 
hanging out with them and winging with them. And it was like, okay, cool. I was the spearhead that went out and did the pioneering work and made a few connections and tested, tested the market a little bit in Europe and saw that that could work. And then I came back next year with, with a crew of people where it's like, all right, let's go and invade properly. Now I've done the scouting mission. So yeah, you don't want to be in a situation where you can only do it uh, if you have your full crew moving with you. Sometimes you have to be the emissary or the spearhead or the pioneer going by yourself. And sometimes that means st starting a new subversion of the group by yourself, which is what I did also in, in Europe the first year. That was that same first year when I, I spent on, where was the next one, when I spent the summer in Budapest and I got, was like, all right, I'm renting my own place. I found a girl and had my first regular girl. I got a couple of clients in and, and then friends came and visited throughout the year. And then a few guys that eventually did move over from Australia came and saw what was going on. And then, okay, then we, we moved it up a level the following year. Thanks so much for listening to the Natural, Natural Lifestyles, Lifestyles Podcast. Podcast. Check us out on YouTube at The, the Natural, Natural TV. TV. See you on the next episode.